Hey there, fellow therapists. Dr. Cassidy here. It has been a minute since I have shared a new podcast episode here on holding space for therapists, but there has been some questions lingering in my mind that I have been really wanting the answers to myself in terms of the future landscape of marketing as therapists. And when Christy from Therapy SEO reached out and said, hey, would you want to have a conversation and hear some of the questions that I, I really think therapists would love the answers to? And they were the exact questions that I had been asking myself. I was like, yeah, I will, I will dust off the old podcast and I would love to have this conversation with you, Christy, because I am looking for these answers myself. AI is not new. It's been around for a long time, but it's more mainstream now. And with the public having access to AI, there's a lot of things that we as therapists might find ourselves thinking about, questioning, and considering. The meaning of this for our businesses, for our field, and for the general health of the population and our clients. For the sake of this episode and this conversation, we're focusing in on marketing. So I asked Christy, how is Google changing and what does this mean for the future of SEO or search engine optimization? Christy and I have worked together on SEO for my website. I now land on page one of Google and sometimes the first listing on Google for searches that are really relevant to my ideal client, such as Therapy for Moms in San Diego, Birth Trauma San Diego, Best Podcasts for Moms, Supporting Therapists in Building Private Practices, Private Practice Checklists, all of those searches, you're going to find my website being on the first page of Google, and that's incredible. And with AI, isn't there going to be a lot of content being pumped out now, and isn't it going to get saturated? That's what I wanted to explore with her. So together in this episode, we explore ways that you can future-proof your business online. And I also get to ask her, hey, do we ever get to quit marketing our therapy practice? Like, does that ever become a thing? So if you have ever had these questions yourself, I'm so glad you're here. And I'm so glad that we're connecting in this way again. It's been a while. I have been spending majority of my time lately running my now group practice, seeing clients, and also prioritizing my time with my kids. I have a toddler now, a tween, and my deeply feeling middle child in between. And between all of that, I had to take some reprioritization boundary steps. And so I'm actually not on social media as often anymore. And fortunately, with all the SEO work that I did and other marketing elements that I've integrated in my, into my business, I don't have to be. But that does also mean not getting a chance to more directly connect with other therapists in in this sort of way. I still have my crafted practice course and I still offer coaching for therapists and I primarily rely on Google for folks to find those resources. I don't know if you know this, I re-recorded all of those courses, my podcasting for therapists course, established therapist toolkit and the crafted practice over this past year with all new content, including things that I have learned over the past year or so related to SEO and running a group practice as well. If you want to check out those resources, head to the show notes. 
All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space for Therapists, the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, educator, and mom to three, passionate about supporting other therapists in crafting a profitable and meaningful private practice. Our work can be isolating. As therapists, we aim to hold space for meaningful change. As modern day therapists, we have an opportunity to hold more space for even greater change, but we don't have to sacrifice our values and wellness in the process. We can choose to define success for ourselves and we don't have to do it alone, which is why I'm so glad you chose to witness the following conversation today. I'm so glad you're here. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hi, Christy. Oh my gosh. I am so excited to dive in today. So I have not recorded a podcast episode for my therapist podcast in a while. And when you and I were chatting and I had so many questions about how (laughs) the marketing landscape for therapists is changing, you had so much insight and I was like, you know what? I am going to... I am going to bring the podcast back to life literally just for this conversation. Um, And I I just know that so many therapists have these questions. Before we dive in, though, I want to give you a chance to reintroduce yourself because I've had you on the podcast before and I've I've shared about your SEO services before. But so let's reintroduce yourself and then please let's dive into these questions that I know we are all dying (laughs) to understand. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super excited to get into it. It's stuff that, you know, myself and my team, we've been thinking a lot about, but anyways, I'm Christy Plantinga. I'm the founder of Therapy SEO. We are a uh, marketing agency for therapists, coaches, wellness practitioners. Um, And recently I started a new project called Best Therapists. And we are a therapist directory that vets therapists so therapy seekers can focus more on fit and not necessarily quality of services. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Yes, so you and I worked with each other. I hired you uh, to really boost the SEO for my website Mm -hmm. and it worked. (laughs) I'm like showing up on page one of the the first, I'm the first listing on Google when people type in, you know, therapists for moms, San Diego, therapists for new moms, San Diego, birth trauma, San Diego, right? Like it's, it's the number one listing, which is like, as you had described to me before, like showing up on psychology today on the first page every time, which has been amazing. Uh, I don't even, I'm not on psychology today anymore because I don't need to be um, on that one anymore. Um, It was, I typically found um, with that directory that a lot of the folks coming in were not good fits. And so that's been kind of nice to step away from. And I know that you have a directory that is really going to change the landscape of directories, I believe. And I can't wait to hear, to give you a chance to share more about that. Um, and yeah, I mean, even best podcast for moms, my website's showing up on page one because I wanted to uh, not just market to my you know therapy clients, but to market for the podcast. Also page one um, for 
therapist looking to start a private practice. So like mm-hmm. you got your team supported my business in such an integral way. Um, and it was so beautiful to work with you guys. So thank you so much for all you have done for my business and super excited yeah. now to give other folks a chance to learn from you as well and to learn more from you myself because I yeah. <laughs> am dying to hear the answers to these questions. Yeah. Well, it was an honor to support you truly. Like I have so much respect for the work that you and your practice and your coaching business, all that. So it was, yeah, it was very, very exciting for me as well. Okay. So Christy, things are changing. And (laughs) I know that SEO has been so critical for so many years um, as part of a marketing plan. And I've seen and reaped the benefits of having a strong SEO search engine optimization um, for my own business. If folks are listening, they're like, wait, SEO, that sounds like an alien language. Um, (laughs) Christy and I have a whole podcast episode all about SEO. She, in my Crafted Practice course, like re-recorded that lesson together where you walk people through how they can do SEO on their their own if that is something Mm -hmm. that they want to do. And you know, basically, long story short, it's when people, Google's not going in, Google, we don't think is going anywhere. And so when people search (laughs) on Google for something, that's SEO, optimizing the search engine stuff. So people can find your website. That's my, that's my SEO definition. Lots lots of education out there um, on SEO, how to do it, uh, why it's been important. Um, But yeah, I mean, things are definitely different from when I started their BSEO in October 2019 is when I started yeah. doing this, which <laughs> seems like a very long time ago now. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot yeah, has changed. changed. Yeah. And so let's, let's talk about what's changing and why. I mean, my first initial thoughts were when I, when AI started to really become, it's, it's been around, I think for a while, but much more mm-hmm. mainstream and chat gpt chat gpt yes yes um and and just i started playing around with it recently and i was like oh my gosh like is this like what does this mean for the world of seo because you know in the work that we did we we created pages and blog posts that were you know very seo informed and rich and that along with other websites linking to me to let Google know that I'm legit, um, like a real person and a real expert. Um, Those two things combined helped me get on the first page of a Google search. Now with AI, I can just imagine there's going to be so much more saturation is, I don't know if that's the right word, but just so much more content being pumped out that, you know, AI is being AI written and, and, and yeah, I, I, at first I was scared of AI and I'm also like, I think I just need to inform myself about AI and, <laughs> and maybe that's not the only key player in why the marketing landscape is changing, but that was definitely something I wanted to touch base with you on today and to just learn more about. So the question is why, what is changing and why is it changing? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, AI is definitely a big part of it, right? And so essentially, if I were to give, you know, some 
more blanket advice, I would say with SEO, essentially with the changes that Google is making um, with the introduction of AI. Again, Google's, Google's been using AI for probably about a maybe like eight years now, they've been using AI already in their algorithm. But you're right, now it's more mainstream. It's accessible to the public through tools like ChatGPT. Um, so that's a big player in what's going on right now. But essentially what Google has done over the years since you know the search algorithm was actually you know born decades ago, they've over time improved it to help the highest quality result for something show up. And that's always been Google's goal. Um, but SEO professionals like myself, we can be a little crafty. And so <laughs> we kind of learned how to like game the system, mm -hmm. right? So there are a lot of, you know, tips and little tricks that we can do that are effective still, but they're not quite enough. So when I started doing SEO for therapists, you know, I'll say 2020 is when things really started to pick up. It was just less competitive, frankly. So competition is a big thing. Competition is coming up. Um, more people, therapists in particular, are just becoming more interested in SEO. They're more, you know, interested in um, investing in it. So competition always raises the bar. It forces you to raise the bar because at yeah. the end of the day, there are, you know, maximum of 10 spots on page one. Mm -hmm. that isn't changing I've actually been seeing that number like shorten mm -hmm. in some cases for mm -hmm. some keywords so you know the competition is real that's part of it um the other part is the the standards of quality content are very much increasing so um a the most recent major algorithm update was the um, helpful content update. And that started rolling out in August, but they typically roll out big algorithm updates for like months. You know, they're slowly taking it out. Um, they're making adjustments as it goes. Um, and that's been a really big thing. So when it comes to helpful content, in the past, word count was a really big part of it. So mm -hmm. if you can have higher word count, that essentially signals to Google, and this is through actually AI and machine learning, the content is just more comprehensive by nature okay. because it's longer. More words, yeah. You know, and, and I think that still is a good strategy for many keywords. But I think what's kind of changing a little bit is Google starting to understand helpful content in different ways. Maybe helpful content is a little table, like, like an HTML table that you generate with ChatGPT. That's actually a really big thing that my team and I have been experimenting with is using ChatGPT for coding, not necessarily content creation. So that mm -hmm. speeds up that process quite a bit. So maybe it's a table outlining some statistics. Maybe it's you know a podcast recording or a video. Um, TikToks are showing up more in the search engine results, stuff like that. So what Google defines as helpful content is in some ways moving away from just written content. Okay. And again, for many queries, it's still very, very effective. But to kind of, you know, keep an edge on things, it's good to think about what does helpful actually mean in this scenario and how can I create a resource to meet that? So in the past, and I still do, I have people that, 
you know, come to me and they're just hoping that if they can kind of like throw enough money at the problem, like it'll go away, (laughs) which I understand, like we've all been there. Um, But with just the increased um, burden essentially of proof that you have, you know, with Google when it comes to quality content, it's just not quite the same game anymore. So, you know, and I'm sure you talk about this all the time with therapists, this idea of just posting to post, doing something because someone said that I should be doing that, that content absolutely does not cut it anymore. Like you maybe could have gotten away with it a few years ago, but now Google is smart enough. They can read right through it. And they're like, I don't think so at all. Yeah. Um, Maybe we want to discuss that before I go to my, my third point, which is a little, a little bit separate. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's discuss that a little bit more. So like, Let's say that somebody listening, not definitely not me, right? This isn't about, this isn't about me. It's about the person, the listener. But like, right, listen, right, the, of course. The, <laughs> this is the example I can give, right? Asking for a friend, asking for a friend. But this is just because this is what I can speak from, right? Like, let's say I have a group practice that supports folks who are, you know, we're virtual, so reside in California. And we work with moms. And what I'm hearing you say is that the written, like, landing page, blog posts, right? Like, previously, word count was a big piece of it. Also, mm-hmm. obviously, like, knowing the keywords that people are searching and um, integrating that in, in meaningful ways. Um and now, though, Google is understanding that what is helpful is more expansive than mm-hmm. that. And what I'm hearing is that there's – it's like audio can be really helpful. Graphics can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Video can be really helpful. It, and, and so integrating that into the marketing plan is going to potentially be – a meaningful part of the future landscape of of marketing in your website specifically is that is that kind of what I'm hearing yeah and I think you know so Google I think was this kind of solo player for a while there wasn't a lot of competition you know um the kind of market share of search engines it's like 92 percent Google or something in countries where Google is available um so Google is kind of like, you know, the hot shot. They, they were, you know, the ones that had all of the control. But I think with the introduction of platforms like TikTok, now that's being used as a search engine, interestingly, by Gen Z more. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they trust content on TikTok more than content they see on Google. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's not true for all searches. Like there's a reason that you know, Googling something is part of the public lexicon. I don't think Google is going away. That would be bad news for me anyway. <laughs> but yeah. I really don't think that that's, that's the case. Um, but it's good to know that a newer generation is searching a bit differently. Um, I don't think they'd necessarily find like a therapist on TikTok, unless if they saw someone who's a specialist, their content came across their feed, but then they'd, we'd run into the same like I'm licensed in Wisconsin. Is this person yeah, Wisconsin? Right. Like that, that whole song and dance. Um, but also with AI, 
Bing, for example, um, they are utilizing more AI in how their search engine is run because Microsoft, I think, is actually an investor of OpenAI, which is the company that, you know, owns and developed ChatGPT. So I think people are going to be relying on AI more in how they they search. Um, and I have lots of thoughts on like AI and ChatGPT, um, the benefits of it as well, which we can get into, but also what I think, you know, is are some of the the downsides. And again, I think AI might be one of those things that people are like, ah, the answer to all my problems, I'll be the only therapist who's using AI to generate my blog content and everything is going to be great, you know? <laughs> but the issue, and this actually brings me perfectly to my next point, ChatGPT, their content is extremely generic. Yeah. And what people need to understand about ChatGPT is that it's a language learning model. They only have information because they're getting information from other sources. So not only could it be factually incorrect, which, you know, can be really problematic in the, like, in such a sensitive field, like mental health, um, but their information is also not updated. I think it only goes through like 2021 right now. So that's also part of it. It's not necessarily current. Um, And, you know, the mental health field doesn't change like all the time, you know, mostly it's like we all kind of agree, (laughs) you know, on certain best practices and things. So that's part of it. But given that chat GPT is so generic, what is mattering more and more to Google is actually the identity of the author of the content. So if Google can see, you know, for example, you're a great example. Like even when we started working together, you had a lot of authority built up with Google already, which is kind of nice for me because I was like, my job just got easier. (laughs) No, because like I don't have to worry about essentially building up your reputation online, which is my main focus now for our clients is how can we establish with Mm -hmm. Google that you're a subject matter expert because therapists, you are in real life right? You're typically yep. specialized. You have all this education, all these clinical hours. Like who, who are subject matter experts more, you know, than therapists in the mental health field, but Google doesn't know that. And we kind of have to speak their language to establish that reputation. So this kind of generic content, pop it off of chat GPT, maybe pay some writer on five or $50 to edit it and round it out. Google's going to see right through it. Absolutely okay. right. Okay. So establishing, establishing yourself as a subject matter expert, your authoritative source, people can trust you, but also talking about your experience in the content. So not just like tips for managing anxiety, but it's like, this is what I've seen works with my clients. If yeah. you can show Google that you have experience okay. in that subject matter, huge difference, okay. way bigger difference. Okay. And so how does somebody establish their authority? I mean, I didn't, I don't, Chrissy, I didn't know that's what I was doing. I was just out there. Like, oh, I did that? I was just out there doing the work, you know? Um, And uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize that that's what what I was doing via Google, Um, which maybe I should, but like, that's the truth is that I was, I was, I was, well, I guess let me reframe that. Like I was, I had a marketing plan. Right. And like part of that marketing plan was building connections with other folks who I knew my ideal client was coming to and trusted. And 
building a connection relationship with those folks, whether it was through being a guest on their podcast or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, writing, you know, writing um, a piece or offering my opinion or thoughts to like an established, um, you know, online um, platform such mm-hmm. as Huffington Post, right? Like, and, yeah. and doing that through Harrow, but also, also those were starting to come to me because of the yeah, other relationships you that I had because had. you were building that subject matter expertise, right? Right, exactly. So it was a big, it was just a big part of the overall marketing plan that I that I developed, and and then the bonus of that was when I came to you, the some of the online authority had already been had been been built, mm-hmm. right, and so. I, I now now I do want to I do want to you know think about the listener right now who is wondering okay now with the way things are changing and this becoming so so much more important um, mm-hmm. for for search marketing right how can they begin to take those steps to build that authority mm-hmm. yeah and I think you know, like I said before, SEO people like me, we've just learned how to game the system. So I can certainly explain some gaming the system tips. I'm happy to do that. Um, Because also gaming the system is just a way to understand why Google is making the decisions that they are. Um, So if we were to think about in real life, like Google's always just trying to replicate the real world online. Obviously, that is an imperfect process. They haven't quite nailed it. You know? <laughs> How can they? It's The internet obviously is not even close to reality a lot of the time. Um, but essentially, how you would normally build up a reputation. Um, I think the most important things, if you want things to go a bit faster, is choosing a niche. So for you, so much of the publication and press you've gotten, the podcast you've been on, have been about motherhood. Yeah. If you can establish yourself as a niche, I would say if you and I decided to post a new blog post on some motherhood topic and it wasn't super competitive, I think we'd probably be on page one in like two to three weeks. Yeah. Given that you're such an established expert in that. However, let's say we wanted to do a post instead on like codependency, that would take mm-hmm. a little bit longer because mm-hmm. Google's like, oh, this is new. I didn't know she did. She's still a therapist. So it's like, okay, I can see it, but that's kind of new. So Mm. once you establish with Google, that's like, this is what I do, which is another great argument to specialize. You know, like I understand a lot of more generalists come to me, but that's just a little bit more of an uphill battle. Yeah. It's just, you know, the reality of it. So after you have that niche, then it's a matter of getting links in the traditional way, which can be through Haro, you're getting on podcasts, maybe you're writing content on a site like Healthline or WebMD, you're like a guest author. Over time, Google starts connecting all those docs or those dots, right? And they're like, oh, Christy Planiga, she talks a lot about SEO and marketing and mental health. She must know what she's talking about. Therefore, when she starts publishing that or she gets quoted there, that's only going to build up that authority mm-hmm. over time. So essentially, Google wants to see that you're participating in the online world because yeah. you want to actually contribute instead yeah. of just like, I'm just here because I want clients and <laughs> right. my private practice coach told me that I should do this. So I guess I'm here now. You know, it's like you should genuinely want to participate in the online world. And at the yeah. end of the day, 
create helpful content for people. That's all the internet is. It's content and half-assed stuff doesn't do it anymore. So just stepping into your subject matter expertise and being like, I'm committed to making a name for myself out here, which is scary. I know for therapists, like we can talk about all the mindset behind that, but essentially that's what Google is looking for. So, and I just want to name that HERA, which we've both named now, it stands for Help a Reporter Out. And it's something that you can sign up for where you get emails every day, basically from reporters from different publications looking for an expert to weigh in on something. And then you can respond to it. They might pick you and then you might get, you know, um, quoted in one of these articles and and linked. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, so I, I know a question that sometimes comes up for folks is like, okay, so what, what I think is exciting about this is that for folks who are like, I do not want to be creating content for Instagram every day that is going to just like, you know, the 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 lifespan of content on Instagram from the research that I've seen is not yep. long. <laughs> like <laughs> it's the, the lifespan is not long. And so you might get in front of, you know, somebody who follows you or on a, you know, their, um, you know, explore page, maybe for a couple of hours, right? Like really, like maybe for a day, maybe, maybe, maybe more, but I, my understanding is it's not, the lifespan's not long. And then an Instagram and social media is just, it's a tough place to show up for a lot of folks. It's not, doesn't align with their values. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like something that they want to give a lot of time and energy to. And so the, 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 the beauty of this work is that it's not about creating content for social media. It's about creating Mm -hmm. meaningful content for your website and contributing to the online conversation in these other ways. Mm -hmm. But then, so then folks will say, so, but do I still need to be on social media marketing? And and now you've mentioned TikTok being, showing up as, you know, a, a, a huge search engine for the next upcoming generation and probably for millennials mm-hmm. too, I would say. Um, yeah. And, and, and I will say that my established connections through Instagram and the authority I built through Instagram definitely contributed to the connections I then made to have these links on these, you know, um, publications Mm -hmm. that are respected. So what is the, like, you know, how, how, what what is, what is the role of social media in the future Mm -hmm. of, of marketing from your perspective here? Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't think people should feel a pressure to be on it. Um, yeah. I do not use it in my personal life. Don't like using it in my professional yeah. life, and I do not think that I'm alone in that. Um, and I think I experienced similar benefits as you when I was more active. Of course, like I was getting more clients from that at the time. I was, you know. I was contributing to the dialogue of the private practice community on Instagram. Right. So people are like, oh, Christy, the SEO girl. <laughs> you yes. know? So I was able to kind of like build up my reputation. Instagram was instrumental when I was starting my business. Yeah. Um, that's also where I made a lot of my personal, you know, professional connections as well. So the people that I still collaborate with to this day, we found each other on Instagram. So I do not think that the benefits can be, you know, overstated at all. I think it's extremely helpful. But when it comes to marketing, no, you don't have to show up there. 
Um, I would say, I think Instagram is still, you know, a really valuable player, but be prepared to spend an hour making something and maybe have people see it for a day. Yeah, exactly. You know, and like, that's up to you. That's up to you if you want to do that. And again, like the benefits can be huge, but Instagram is becoming, and TikTok, obviously, both of these platforms are really becoming platforms for professional content creators because they have the time they have that's their job that's their thing that's their bread and butter for smaller businesses who are using it to market you might have like some moments you know where you go viral and like that's being circulated around for weeks if you're on tiktok it trickles down to reels you know like that definitely happens but what's the quality of the traffic and that's kind of where i'm just drawing a line in the sand for myself and my clients I'm sick of the and again this is a personal opinion so if someone doesn't agree that's totally okay totally but I'm I'm just I'm all about quality now if we can make one awesome piece of content if we can get you featured on one crazy cool publication like Forbes if you can get one or two really good clients as opposed to hundreds hitting you up on you know your dms because you posted a reel about something that a lot of people liked and none of them got back to you or none of them were mm-hmm. licensed in your state whatever like yeah. you can absolutely go the quantity approach the fast approach all that kind of stuff but i just feel that for most of the clients that i work with they may not know it but because they are private pay or they are niche or whatever they're actually taking a quality approach to their business, but then they're trying to align it with a quantity mm-hmm. approach to marketing. Totally. And I, I don't know. I just, there's so a disconnect true. for me, you know? A hundred percent. Like there, there was a period of time where I had courses for moms and I was postpartum it was during the pandemic. I wasn't seeing clients and I was looking for, I was looking to, to reach the quantity right? Like I could because it wasn't about them needing to live in my state and it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't, I I can obviously, I choose to only see a certain number of clients a week, right? But for this, for the, for this product and for that season of my life, it was about making still quality connections with the right people that like would benefit from this course, right? For moms, but it was, it could, it could be for anybody, right? Mm-hmm. And then, I shifted gears. I started seeing clients again. And then I started a group practice mm-hmm. and my energy started mm-hmm. to come into that. And it took me a, a little while there to see that the quantity marketing plan that I had on social media was not supporting and translating mm-hmm. into this qu- new quality, more focused marketing shift that I had. And I eventually did decide to step back from social media and I look at it more now as like a portfolio because I do think that still my ideal client um, wants to stalk me a little bit on there to see how I talk Mm -hmm. about things. Like I just think that's what she does. That's what I do um, Mm -hmm. to see if she's on Instagram, see how she talks about things. And I think they do that. But now I, I go on only when I have something of quality to share, like a podcast episode where I get to dive so much deeper 
um, mm-hmm. or or to just speak specifically to you know California moms about a particular issue that you know I'm I'm probably talking more deeply about on some other platform like on mm-hmm. on my website or yeah. you know on on a podcast really um, and so. It, it really, I, I had to shift that mindset, right, um, from from quantity to to the quality, um, as my business model shifted. And you know, if if somebody has like, you know, if you're writing a book, if you are, if you have courses, mm-hmm. that's that's a different, that's a that that might you might have a different mindset. But if you are marketing your private practice and you see want to be seeing 15 clients a week that are your good fit clients in the state that you're licensed in <laughs> then you don't have to be on Instagram at the at the at the level that Instagram might make you think you need to be on it, right? Um, or, or at all. I mean, I think, you know, my ideal client is on Instagram. So I I believe that I'll always be on there in some capacity. So I think that my ideal client wants to connect first there to see how I talk about things. Um, but that's, that's kind of the role that it has now. Yeah. Okay. So Things are shifting. It's about quality and establishing your authority. Um, and so kind of, the, and we've described now a couple of the ways that people could be doing that. What are some ways that folks can be future-proofing their business online? Because mm-hmm. it's changing now and I, I'm sure it'll keep changing. But how, how do we as clinicians, mm-hmm. therapists, future-proof our business? Yeah. And I think (laughs) this is what no one wants to hear, but I'm kind of like, buckle up. You're on the internet. It's going to change, you know? So as much as you're doing now, we're going to have to reassess Mm -hmm. like a year for all we know. Right. But I do think there is a very distinct, you know, difference again, from when I started, we'll say 2020 to now things are different now. And so you know, obviously it's hard to make any kind of assumption, but maybe we can safely say that in three years, things will look very different, right? Yeah. So if we kind of count on that timeline, um, I think it all just comes down to quality. Question mm-hmm. where you're putting your time, where you're putting your budget. I'm not going to name drop, but there are some services where you can pay for we'll write your blog content, we'll write your Facebook posts, and it's all generic, it's all the same. They're literally making the same content for other people. Yeah. Don't spend money on that. Yeah. Who is that for? What is that doing for your business? How is that, you know, contributing to the conversation? Are you even proud of putting your name behind that? Mm. You know, I think just ask yourself when you're doing things, is this really improving anyone's life. I always say to, I say this to myself, it's a standard I hold for myself, but also for my clients. Is this the article that people bookmark? Is this the article that people share with their friends? Or is this something they kind of skim through, you know, and then click, go back to the search results because they didn't quite get what they wanted. Yeah. You know, just spend more time doing less stuff and be prepared for you know, the, it's just slower. I don't think this is a rushed process. Um, again, I think TikTok and Instagram reflect more of the values of our culture in yeah. a way where it's like the immediacy, the rush. Um, 
and I could get very existential about this. I'm a daughter of a theologian, so uh, you know, <laughs> forgive me. But basically, it's like that's that's the culture that's that's yeah. there. It's the rush, the immediacy. But I don't think these things just take time building up that subject matter expertise. So I think for new therapists who want to do things right, you need to kind of choose: Are you going to go the quantity or quality approach? And then if you do choose the quality approach. Um, I think it's less work in the long run because again, you can spend four hours creating an article that'll be on Google for forever, or you can spend an hour creating an Instagram reel that people might see for a day. Yeah. Right. So it's like knowing the, the toss ups. And again, I know some therapists in their businesses, Instagram and TikTok absolutely where they should be. But for yeah. most people that I come across anyway, I don't think that's necessarily a good fit for them. Yeah. So I would just, you know, from a very logistical standpoint, be prepared with some backup options as you build up that reputation. It does not happen overnight. Yeah. If like you invest in it, maybe get some help from someone like me. I think we can turn that around in about a year. Like if you do everything that you you need to do that we recommend for you. Yeah. Um, but you know, just whether it's, you know, I don't always recommend this, but maybe you take out a small loan, maybe you pursue a grant, maybe you do, you are paneled with one insurance company, whatever, like what you need to kind yeah. of make ends meet as you invest in this. If I were a therapist, that's what I would do. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. And, and you've, and you've said before that you feel like the window is closing for therapists mm -hmm. who want to start SEO. Can you yeah. Speak a bit more to that. Yeah, and I think the window is closing in the sense that you're not going to be able to do what we're doing now and that will not work in a few years. But mm -hmm. if you start soon, like let's say in the next 2 years you commit to going through this process, this, you know, pursuit of establishing this trusting relationship with Google, establishing yourself as that subject matter expert, that will serve you for years to come. I'm, you know, convinced of that. But in the future, obviously, competition is going to be more there. More mental health startups uh, are like, oh, Google, that's a good idea. And then they have all the VC funding behind them, right? So they can just like pump that out, all that content. So the competition thing is there. But also, like we've been talking about this whole time, the standard is rising. And I'm just not convinced that all therapists are up to meeting that standard in the future, mm. which I understand. And that's kind of a hard truth to tell people, mm. but I do have people come to me and they're like, I'm looking for cheap SEO and this is how I want it to go. And I am just like, we're not a good fit yeah. because that's not even going to work. Like I would feel bad taking your money, even if it was cheap, you know, whatever right. to do this for you because it's just not going to work. So I think the window is closing in terms of like, you need a bigger budget in the future. So if you kind of want to save some money and instead put in a little yeah. more effort, now is the time to do that. That window is closing. And that's what um, I did is I, I knew that this was something that I wanted to invest in like over a year ago and put money aside and saved up for it, knowing that it was going to, you know, be an investment in the business. Um, and, and yeah, and I, and I, I would definitely... I never want anyone to make bad financial decisions that put a stress on their lives exactly. and their business. Yep. And so, um, you know, what I hear you saying is, um, you know, 
you've got some time here, you know, like, and, and if this becomes something that you want to prioritize, like, let's, you know, let's, let's put, let's like go visit Chrissy's website, learn more about the cost of these things and save. Yeah. And it's the hope of being, um, you know, this concept, someone said this to me the other day, I was like, Oh, that's perfect. It's about being like grandfathered in, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you start establishing your reputation now, that's not going to go away. Google's not going to like forget (laughs) who you are, you know? So that's why if you do the work sooner, and again, I totally agree about, you know, like, yeah, if you don't want to spend that money or yeah, maybe that is a significant financial hardship. It's not realistic for you in your life. That's totally okay. And then it's maybe the decision where it's like, I either need to like DIY this and take it super seriously, or maybe that's not for me. And like, yeah. that's okay too. Maybe yeah. SEO isn't for you. Maybe yeah. TikTok and Instagram are for you. Like that, yeah. that might be okay too. If that's just really not a realistic thing. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So there is a question that I've, <laughs> I've asked myself, like, um, when, when do we quit marketing or therapy <laughs> practice? Like when, are, when am I done? <laughs> when am I done? <laughs> Yeah. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting to, to say that because I think it's this interesting kind of personality mismatch sometimes. And there's a reason that there's so much, you know, education out there for therapists, like on the mindset work behind becoming a business owner, behind becoming an entrepreneur. And everyone will tell you, you know, marketing and business go hand in hand, Um, which is true. But I don't think necessarily everyone, like if, if the idea of marketing is so dreaded to you and you know, it's like not something you can hack, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if you just know that like, Mm -hmm. this is not for me, I'm so not interested, don't really want to invest in this kind of like brand building for my, for my business, essentially, there are other things that you can do, right? So most popular one, Google ads. Yeah. If you're okay, spending more on marketing every month to fill your practice, but then you really don't have to do anything. Yeah. You pay someone, they create the ads, they run the ads, they make your landing page. You don't have to worry about your copy. You don't have to worry about a logo. Like if that thought is giving you life and you don't mind <laughs> shelling out the extra money. Yeah. Right. Like awesome. Good for you. Um, so Google ads is an excellent way to do that. If you really just want to kind of like sideline marketing altogether, but you mm-hmm. still want to be a therapist and like serve your clients and yeah. do the wonderful work that you all do. Yeah. Um, but another really good way is directories. That being said, we know the complications with directories. Like like you were saying before, there's a reason you got off psychology today because the quality of leads isn't always yeah. there. And especially if we have like a quality first business, as many private pay practices do, that's not always a good fit. Um, and that's why I kind of dreamed up this idea of this new uh, directory that we've been yeah. building. Yeah. Please tell us more about this directory, um, that you've dreamed up. Cause 
I've had a chance to learn a little bit about it and we're getting my group on it and I'm I'm really excited to pair my like intimate intimate knowing of who you are, right? And so like the person behind the company um, and just but also my like trust, right? And like and respect for the work that you do and just how I know how well you know the system, right? Like yeah. um, the online world. And so being able to pair that together with a directory, which gets to really be a much more hands-off marketing approach is really exciting to me. Yeah. And the goal is it is this kind of win-win-win-win scenario for everyone, which I think is really rare in our capitalist society. Mm. So obviously as the business owners, we want to win. We want to be profitable. Of course. We also want the private pay therapists that the our directory is catered towards. We want them to win. We want therapy seekers to find, we're calling them their soulmate therapists, you yeah. know, by meeting these specialized people who are not burnt out because to be on our platform, you can only see so many clients per week. Um, and then we hope to get to a point soon where we can donate our profits to funds that help private pay therapists offer um, sliding scale therapy or free therapy, perhaps, yeah. um, to marginalized populations. So the concept is we all want to we all want to win. Like we want to show how the therapy world can work um, if we're all just kind of willing to think differently about how mm. we're paying for therapy yeah. and how we value therapy in our society um so anyways, a little tangential but essentially when my team and I were kind of looking at the landscape we're looking at Google we're like huh this is going to be pretty competitive in a few years yeah. we don't know if we're going to be able to do the same thing for people in a few years you kind of got to take a hard look at like, all right, <laughs> well, then yeah. what are we going to offer to people, but still use this extremely valuable skill set we have? Yes. Again, knowing that our clients, people who pursue SEO in the next few years, I do think they will be grandfathered in. But I was like, what about those future people? What about those therapists who want to be seen on Google, but they're not really, they don't have that new budget to compete with the mental health startups. So we were like, well, what if we did what we're really good at and work on this one site? And essentially what different therapists can do is just rent a little spot on the site, which is a directory, you know, yeah. by nature, but we are doing it. So there are only a maximum of 10 therapists per results page. Mm -hmm. So that's it. You're not one of thousands, unlike these other directories. So even mm. if you're paying for them, again, we can talk about the quality of the traffic all yeah. day, but also, are you even going to be seen anyways, because yeah. you're one of so many people. So we have fully gone in on the quality approach. So you would get the same effect of ranking on the first page of Google because you're on our page and then you have a spot there. Yeah. Um, so that's really the concept behind it is how can we just get higher quality traffic? You know, how can we rethink how the directory system works so that it actually benefits the kind of therapist that I work with, which is the quality, you know, practice of like the specializations and private pay and all that stuff. So 
that's the vision for the directory. We have a vetting process that therapists have to go through. Um, we just have certain things in check because what we want to assure therapy seekers is that we've done our due diligence. So, you know, the therapist showing up on their, this page that you're looking at, they're some of the best of the best. Yeah. I think if therapists can pass this process, like we look at your online reviews, we get peer reviews, we make sure that you provide trauma-informed care. So no racism, homophobia, because obviously we can't have you re-traumatizing the users mm -hmm. that come on our site. So yeah. if you can pass this verification process, you can proudly say that it's like, I'm one, like I am a master of my craft. Mm -hmm. I have worked all these years. I'm at the top of my game. Like those are the kinds of therapists we want out there. So then people coming to the site, they're ready. And they're like, I'm ready to invest in my mental health. Um, so that alone, the traffic will hopefully be very high quality, but we also do a lot of marketing on out of network benefits. So yeah. people can get reimbursed for therapy, which almost, I think every therapist that I've worked with offers some kind of, you know, super bill for those. So then private pay therapists can get their full fee and we can start to spread more awareness on out of network benefits, which are really cool. And I did not know yeah. about them until, you know, a few years ago. They're just so, I think insurance companies kind of like want them under wraps. Yeah. The fact that people can get <laughs> their money back for out of, for out of yeah. network. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're awesome. So that's the concept behind it. That's what we're trying to build. I'm sure it'll grow and change as we get feedback and everything, but this is essentially how can we future proof again, our own business, but then also how can we help therapists in the future who don't want to invest in the brand building, the reputation yeah. building. So that's kind of where that all formed. Uh, yes. We've become best therapists. That's what we're called. Beautiful. And what a great search word to like. Yeah. <laughs> that was obviously very intentional. As of course it was. <laughs> Christy, you don't do things without intention around yeah. it. That's what I appreciate. <laughs> Um, and so, and this idea of renting a spot means that like, you're, you're eventually going to move towards a model, right? Where people can, can show up on the directory when they have openings, right? So it's like, exactly. sort of like an, as like, if you need clients, then you rent a spot and that's how then you get clients. And mm -hmm. like, then the client knows that they're reaching out to people that have those openings yes. and right. Is that kind of the model that you're moving towards? Yeah. We only, you have to be accepting clients to be listed on the website. Um, and we do have measures in place that if you're sent to a wait list, like we'll find out about mm -hmm. it. Um, yeah. There yeah. is kind of like an additional monitoring process because we are so serious about the therapists on our platform being, yeah. you know, obviously people of integrity, but also really good at what they do. So that's definitely in place. Um, but yeah, the hope is, you know, it's like, oh, I think these clients are probably going to drop off next month. I'm going to start, you know, talking to best therapists so I can get up on, um, you know, on this page or that page next month. So then you kind of like pay a little money, get some clients, and then you're like, oh, then my marketing expenses are gone because I got clients. So yeah. I, again, I'm just like, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I really think like, I know, <laughs> I know so many therapists that if I like looked in their eyes and I was like, you only have to pay me this much money and you don't have to think about marketing and you'll get clients. They would be like, done. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, I don't have to think about Instagram. I don't have to think about this, whatever, like take yeah. my money. So that's what I'm hoping is it fills that 
you know, that gap for people where they might, again, want to quit marketing. They might not be interested in the branding process. They might not be interested in Instagram, TikTok, going on Haro, whatever. Um, that's, that's the hope for it. Beautiful. So cool. Well, I can't wait to see where you take it. And um, I'll share some links in the show notes for folks to connect and learn more. But let me also give you a chance to, to say it right here, right now, where folks can connect with you and learn more. Yeah. So we'll definitely get a link in the uh, podcast show notes so people can get more information on the new directory, Best Therapists. Um, you can, of course, always find me at Therapy SEO, blogging about SEO, talking about SEO, emailing you about SEO. Um, <laughs> and if you're ready to you know, start that process and build up that subject matter expertise, contact us. We're ready to work with you. Um, would absolutely love to. But then if maybe you're like, eh, maybe this other idea might be better for me. Yeah, link will be uh, in the show notes. Beautiful. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much, Christy. As always, it's yeah, such you. a pleasure to connect with you and be in conversation and learn from you. So thank you so much for coming back on. Yeah. Thank you for having me again. <laughs> You've been listening to Holding Space for Therapists, the podcast. Are you ready to take the next step in starting or growing or pivoting your modern private practice? Go check out that link in the show notes. The Crafted Practice and the Established Therapist Toolkit are my two e-courses for therapists. They're self-paced and they cover all the things that I wish I learned in grad school, but definitely was not covered. Everything from modern marketing to diversifying your income and all the startup 101 stuff that you actually do need to know when establishing your own business as a therapist and entrepreneur. I walk you through step-by-step through video lessons, and you also get to join our private Facebook community. If you want to be the first to know when future episodes air, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And the best way to support the podcast is to leave a review. All right, fellow therapists, I hope that you have a beautiful rest of your day.